family. I hope you're ready to worship with us this morning. Does anybody have the joy of the Lord in their heart today? God, we're so thankful, Lord, that you give us joy regardless of the circumstances, Lord. We can count on it, Father, that you always give it to us, Lord. So we worship you today. reminded of the verse that just says joy unspeakable and full of glory and I hope that you're filled with that joy this morning you look good look at your neighbor say you look good you look good 
Look at your other neighbor, your other neighbor. Say, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Y'all can grab a seat. You can grab a seat. If you're a first-time guest with us this morning, we want to say welcome. Whether you're here in person or watching online, don't the first, can we welcome our guests? So glad that you're here. And you'll see on the screen there are a number of ways for us to connect with you, but one of the primary ways we want to is if you'll pull out your smartphone right now and text D1TEXT to 84576, or you can uh, go to your camera, scan that QR code on the screen. We want to follow up with you. We want to connect with you and follow up with you with all the prompts that are on the screen. And uh, we're just so glad that you're here. So Dothan First, can we welcome our guests one more time this morning? Speaking of that, after service, if you did grab a Connect card or if you're here in person, we want to invite you to our guest reception as you exit into the lobby. Especially even with that Connect card, you can drop it in one of our giving boxes or hold on to it. And as you exit, go into our lobby and go to your left after service today. There will be a TV that says guest reception into the, in that room to your left. Please walk in there and meet some of our leadership team. Our pastors would love to meet you and follow up with you. And we just want to keep you up to date on a lot of things that we going on, got, we have going on here at Dothan First. Uh, we love what we get to do. And how many of you have enjoyed the series so far, I Want Presence? I Want Presence. Pastor Mark, you've been doing an amazing job, been learning a lot. And so uh, with that, I want to remind you that next week we will continue that series. And Pastor Mark is preaching a series of strategic messages. This is the best time for you to invite your friends, your family to come be a part of this service because I are these services because I promise you the best thing that you can have this Christmas is God's presence, not only here in this house, but in your home. And so with that being said, please invite someone. Uh, also utilize as you exit today and you're hanging out in the lobby, our photo booth. It looks amazing. Please tag us at Dothan First on Instagram or uh, even the location. Just say that you are here. We want to we want to see your lovely faces and your families. So please utilize that. On December the 25th, which is Christmas Day, we have a special online Christmas service called I'll Be Home for Christmas. So please, uh, this is an opportunity for you to create a, uh, a tradition with your family. You can get your hot cocoa or your coffee, your pajamas, and we just want you to gather as a family. You can watch it live at 10 a.m. or we're gonna pre-release it that night at, at 12 a.m. Uh, that Saturday night, that, uh, excuse me, that Saturday night, Sunday morning, and you can watch it on YouTube or our website if you want to watch it with your family and then leading into that morning when I know for some of you parents who have young kids, they're going to come wake, they're going to wake you up. They're probably not even going to sleep. They're going to be so ready to open presents, but please uh, join us that day to watch this service online. It's going to be special. Also, uh, this upcoming Friday, December 16th, we have, as I was told this morning, Good Old Friends. The Good Old Friends is having a Christmas party Friday, December 16th at 11 a.m. That's in the FLC. So please, if you're in our senior citizen group, uh, please find yourself, uh, find your, make that available to you. We would love to have you be a part of that. That's actually our largest small group. Can you give it up for our old friends? So thankful for them. And then tonight, somebody say tonight is our young adult service. I don't know if you're a young adult in the house, but we like to, as we say, turn up. And uh, in our young adult service tonight, it will be at 5 p.m. in our FLC. Uh, it'll be an ugly Christmas sweater contest. We're gonna have food, games. One of the games is Family Feud that I've been told. I promise you, you don't wanna miss it. So please, uh, if you've seen that on social media, please share that. And speaking of social media, please uh, go ahead and follow us on any of our social media platforms at Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. We got it all. 
because we want to keep you up to date of everything going on. And as well as utilizing your smartphone, uh, we ask that you download the YouVersion Bible app if you haven't. The sermon notes are found, and we make those available to you every single Sunday because we want to put God's Word in your hand. So please follow along uh, today. Uh, it's going to be a great day, amen? I said it's going to be a great day, amen? Can y'all give it up for our pastor, Pastor Mark Benson, as he comes to the stage? Thank you, Pastor Will. Hey, it's a great day to celebrate Jesus' birth, and we're preparing in so many ways to be able to get the gospel message to your friends and family, those who don't yet know Jesus. This is the perfect opportunity for them to get to know him, whether you invite them to the next Sunday's service, once again, a strategic message explaining the significance of the birth of Christ, or if you just want to simply invite them out to that special online service and say, look, you may not want to come to church, but you can be part of our church by being a part of that special service. It's only about 45 minutes long. It's something for everyone, something for the kids and the adults. So it'll be a great day of celebration. Be strategic this holiday season. I encourage you to do that. Well, listen, it's offering time. We get to give unto the Lord. How many grateful God's blessed you? Come on. If he's been good to you this year, we're so thankful, so grateful for the gifts that God's given to us. And you know, this is the time of giving, the, the, the celebration of the birth of Christ. We give gifts to one another. But I, I would encourage you and invite you to prepare a gift for Jesus this holiday season. I know uh, we've been giving you updates as it relates to missions around the world and how we've been able to strategically partner with missionaries all around the world to be able to help get the gospel message out to those who've never heard the name Jesus. We're giving the, the gospel message out in so many ways and I can't thank you enough for your generosity and partnership in giving. It's accelerating the vision, which is to get the, the word of God out. But I also want to let you know as we prepare to the year end, I know some people wait to have a year end gift and you can still do that. I know for some it's a tax purpose situation, but we don't give because we just get tax re for tax reasons. We give because God gave to us and to whom much is given, much is required. And so I want to invite you as a responsibility, as a re reminder, you can look on the screen the different ways to give. But if you're going to give a, a year-end gift, it has to be postmarked by the, the 31st. And of course, if you want to give online, you can do that before midnight there on the 31st. But just a reminder to you uh, that what you're doing is making a difference. I can't tell you how many missionaries over this past year have called and said, please, please, please look your congregation in the eyes and thank them for their generosity because it's making a difference in their lives and it's making a difference around the world. So thank you for that. Hey, let's take a moment and pray over this time of giving. Can we do that? Lord Jesus, thank you for giving the, the, the gift to us. God, your son Jesus Christ to this earth was, was the greatest gift we could ever receive. And now, God, I speak a blessing over these, your people, that as we give back unto you, Lord, that we would give back, God, uh, out of all of the resource you've given to us, we would give back. And you said that when we give, you give back to us. That means we can't outgive you. You said you give back, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You give back more than we could ever give to you. And I thank you for that. And we speak that strategically over these, your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I know as we prepare to give, 
There are some that have come today with real heavy hearts, challenges that you faced this week. Maybe you're walking through the loss of a loved one or you're seeking a new job or you just need strategy for 2023, whatever it might be. Maybe you need a healing touch in your body or a family member or friend. I want you to know your elders are here to pray for you. And during these next few songs of worship, as a matter of fact, I'm going to invite our elders if you'd make your way toward our prayer stations today. And these elders, they pray for you continually, but specifically, they're here and ready to pray for you for whatever needs you may have. They're going to station themselves right in the back by this exit sign, right in the back by this exit sign, and then up in the balcony. If you need prayer for any reason, they're there for you. And we're going to follow the biblical mandate because we believe in the Bible and we believe he, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His power is still true and we can receive miracle results right here, right now in the name of Jesus Christ. So in a moment, we're going to have everyone stand. And as we do, if you want to make your way back, you can just slip back to those prayer stations and receive prayer today and believe God for a miracle this Christmas. Could we stand up and worship the King together?
felt like in the midst of that song, it, it was, uh, there was a word that came forth, and I believe it's a word of exhortation for you today. And I just want you to really receive this. When we, when we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation, really it comes from 1 Corinthians. There's, there's the picture in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 that it explains the gifts and the gifts in operation here in the body of Christ. And one of those gifts in operation is exhortation. And, and I just want to uh, encourage you with these words today that we, we need to take this time, this season, this moment to rest in the Lord. And when we think about resting, that's a great thing. That's a great idea. But how many of you know you can't rest without trust? It takes trust to rest. As a matter of fact, take any kid that's woken up in the middle of the night with a thunderstorm. <laughs> I want you to think about this. Get this picture in your mind for a moment. You get a child that's get, that is woke up by uh, thunder and lightning in, in the middle of the night. And often what that child will do is they'll run in, right? They're not safe in their own bed anymore. But they run into mom and dad's bedroom and all of a sudden, and I don't know if, if you had this, parents, if you've had this before, your kid shows up in the middle of the night and you're not even awake because you were sleeping through the storm. But all of a sudden that kid shows up in the middle of the night and, and, and you're talking to the kid and trying to encourage them. And, and, and they're like, can I stay in your room? Come on, parents. Any of you parents had that before? Two of you. Okay, let's, uh, nobody else. Come on, parents. You've been there. Yeah, they show up in the middle of the night. Mom, dad. Can I sleep in your bed? <laughs> and you put them right between you. And sure enough, 30 seconds later, that kid is sawed logs, man. That kid is totally asleep. The thunder is still happening. The lightning is still flashing. But the kid is asleep. Why? Because when they're trusting, they're resting. And that's a word from God for you today. It's time to trust God in order to receive this rest that he alone can provide at Christmas. He is, friends, the Prince of Peace. And if you want peace in your life, you're not going to get it circumstantially. This world has all kinds of problems and pain and turmoil and crisis, but Jesus promises that he will be the peace in the middle of the storm. He is the Prince of Peace. And today, it's time to rest and I'm to trust in him today. Well, here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like you to go ahead, turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And then you can go ahead and be seated. Turn your attention toward the screens as we continue to go into this message today. What name could contain such a glory? In the cool breezes of Eden, brought from the infant earth, one arose, the voice of his creator speaking his identity to life. Adam, man, and as heaven waited short with bread, the creator spoke yet another, Eve, mother of all the living. So it was with Abraham, named in the promise as the father of nations, Peter, the rock upon which the church would stand. The name called to life the destiny within. The name set the stage for all that was to come. And unto us a child was born. And what name 
could contain his glory. For he was mighty God. The universe gasped into being, flinging rays of light from his presence to pierce the void, to shatter the shadows to a tapestry of color. And he is mighty God, shattering our darkness, revealing our light, our truth in him. He was everlasting father when orphaned Israel needed a father's touch. When we, with grief-stricken cheeks, need the embrace of one who never leaves. When we have lost our way to dark horizons, it is our everlasting father who lights the way home. He is Prince of Peace. When, like Elijah, we need the still small voice in the turmoil's midst. When, like David, we need the melodies of his presence to soothe our troubled minds. He is sanctuary within our trials, shepherd guiding us to still waters. And yes, he is wonderful counselor. God who gives counsel in the chaos, crafting disorder into calm and failure into beauty. He is a voice for the voiceless. He is dignity for the stateless soul. It is he who raised up a lowly shepherd to become a king. He who took the fishermen of Galilee and made them leaders of history. It is the counselor who redeems our lost years, breaking chains that have kept dreams imprisoned and joy confined. The name reaches across eternity exclaimed by the splendors of galaxies, sung by the passions of angels, roared in heaven's fervor, exalted in creation's unfettered rejoicing. What name could contain him? What title? What soul renowned? For this is our wonderful counselor. This is our mighty God. This is our everlasting father, our prince of peace. What name could contain Emmanuel, God with us, Yahweh, the great I am. What name could contain the word of life, the light of the world, the king of kings, the Lord of all. We bow to the name that holds every other in its matchless worth. a glory. What name but Jesus? We cry Jesus. We cry holy is the name. Amen. Come on, do you thank God for the name that's above every other name? Amen. Well, I want to take a moment and welcome all of our first-time guests that are in the house today. What a joy it is to be able to serve God with you today on this beautiful Sunday morning. And for those watching online for the first time, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Can you give it up for all of our first-time guests in the house? Welcome. We're glad you're here. Can you grab your copy of God's Word and say this with me? Say, I am what God's Word says I am. I can do what God's Word said I can do. And I can become all that God said I could be. So today, I'll hear God's word, I'll receive God's word, and I'll obey God's word because I love his word. Now just turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you look good today. Let them know. You just look so good today. 
You can turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. As you're turning there, I'm going to give you a Star Wars joke for Christmas. How about that? I heard one, and I know some of you are Star Wars fanatics, and I just could not resist. When Darth Vader said to Luke Skywalker, I know what you're getting for Christmas, Luke. That was the worst impression of Darth Vader you'll ever hear in your entire life. Luke said, how in the world could you know? (laughs) He said, I can feel your presence. Anyway, look, you'll get that later. You'll get that tomorrow. It just went right over some of your heads. Just tell your neighbor, it's going to get better. I promise it's going to get better. Uh, We're in this series called I Want Presence. I want presence for Christmas. And not presence T-S, but presence C-E. We want the presence of Almighty God. And we're going to talk today about God's presence at Christmas. What kind of presence did God bring us at Christmas? And what makes Christmas so important? I mean, what's the big deal about Christmas? Well, friends, it's actually the centerpiece of human history. That's why we have B.C. and A.D., It literally split history down the middle. And and this was the biggest event of all time. Jesus' birth and Jesus' birthday was the most significant of all birthdays. As a matter of fact, you have been using that birthday to count down things. Like when you write on your check the date, you're saying in how many months, how many days, and how many years since Jesus was born. Every time you celebrate your birthday, you're celebrating Jesus' birth because you're celebrating it in how many days, months, and years from the time that Jesus walked the earth. So it was the most significant birthday in all of human history. And it's amazing to me, a birthday of a child 2,000 years ago still stops traffic today. It still shuts down offices all over the world to celebrate this birth, Jesus Messiah. So what did Jesus come to earth to do anyway? What was his his big responsibility? What was his job? Why did he show up and split history from B.C. into A.D.? Why did he do it? What was he here to do? I want to talk about that today. I want to answer those questions today. God came to earth in human form to give us some special presence. And and yes, he gave us some presence, C-E. He gave us his presence. His significant gift was his presence to us. But I want to talk about some gifts that he gave to us, some presence, T-S, that he gave. It's so funny. We talk about Jesus' birth and Oftentimes when we celebrate birthdays, we give gifts to the birthday boy or the birthday girl. And, and around Christmas time, we give gifts to one another. It's the gift-giving time of the season. But how many understand, Jesus, the birthday boy, chose to give us presents on his birthday as we celebrate him. Here's the, one of the presents that he gave to us. The first present was this, that Jesus arrived at Christmas as God in the flesh. He's our biggest gift. And that is the biggest news in human history that God himself came to earth. Philippians 2 verse 6 says it like this, Christ was truly God. 
In the Phillips translation, it says he's always been God by nature. So many people would say, even of different religions, would say Jesus was a good man. Or Jesus was a, a, a good teacher. Or Jesus was a, a great prophet. How many have said, those are all great titles, but that's not what Jesus said that he was. He didn't come to be just a good teacher or a good man or a great prophet. He said, I'm God. Now, many people in human history could claim to be a good person or claim to be a good teacher or even a prophet. But Jesus said, I'm God. And in that process of explaining that God came to earth, he said it like this, like father, like son. As a matter of fact, a couple of scripture references I'm going to give you today. As a matter of fact, I want to go through a lot of scripture today because I want you to formulate the foundation of your faith on biblical principles and not just some, well, this is the tradition. We light a tree, we sing some Christmas carols, we exchange some gifts, and then we move on to a new year. You need to understand the significance and the foundation of your faith that separates us from every other religion in human history. It's that Jesus said and declared, I'm God. And when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Look at this, John chapter 10, verse 30. Jesus said, the Father and I are one. John 14, verse 9. Jesus replied, anyone who has seen me has what? Seen the Father. Has seen the Father. So friends, Jesus' life didn't start at the stable. You need to understand that Jesus existed before creation. This is foundational to your faith. Theologians call that the preeminence of Christ. You ready to go deeper? Two of you. You ready to go deeper? We need to go deep into the scriptures and understand Jesus always existed. So when we celebrate this birth, on this birthday, we celebrate him showing up in human form in a stable, in a manger, but that's not the beginning of Jesus. Look at this, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. Christ is the exact likeness of the unseen God. He existed, here it is, before God made anything at all. And in fact, oh man, this is going to mess up your worldview or your theology if you didn't understand it before. Christ himself, look at this, is the creator who made everything in heaven and earth. Jesus was the creator of the world. He wasn't just the savior of the world, he was the creator of the world. Jesus existed Matter of fact, there was no beginning and there is no end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's both the beginning and the end. He's always existed. And Jesus was the human form of God unseen on the earth. At Christmas time, we're not celebrating the beginning. We're celebrating the moment. John chapter 1, one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. John chapter 1. And if you've not read the the Bible ever in your life, I encourage you to start with the book of John. It's one of the gospel messages, the the gospel writers explaining the, the story of Christ and what he did on the earth, why he came to the earth. But John chapter one, verse one is some of the most profound words. It says, in the beginning, the word Jesus always existed. 
It says the word was with God and the word, here it is, was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life, listen, to everything that was created. He's a life giver. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Friends, can I just tell you, no matter how dark this world seems to get, no matter how gloomy or or tumultuous this world seems to get, can I just tell you, light always shines brightest in the middle of darkness. Listen, the darkness cannot extinguish the light of Christ. John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Here it is. This is what got Jesus in lots of trouble with the religious. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, now think about this, Abraham was born more than 2,000 years before Jesus. And he said, before Abraham was even born, what? I am. I am. Jesus arrived on earth at Christmas as a baby, but Jesus existed before the world began. Now, watch this. Listen to how Jesus came to earth, how God chose to become a human. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going somewhere. I want to build a a biblical foundation for you. Here it is. Philippians chapter 2 verses 7 and 8. When the time came, he set aside. Who's he? He's talking about Jesus. When the time came, Jesus set aside the privileges of deity. He set aside everything that he had in heaven. All the royalty and beauty and majesty. And it says he took on the status of a slave and became a human. Having become human, he stayed a human. It was incredibly humbly, an incredibly humbling process. God had to humble himself to become a human being. Now, let me just say this. If I were God, (laughs) the creator of all of the human race, the author and finisher of all things, if I were God, Power incarnate. If I were God, I would have chose to come a different way. Right? With the bells and the whistles and the trumpet blasts. And listen, I would have had fireworks. (laughs) There would have been so many great things that I would have done if I was God. And I created the whole wide world and I chose to show up on earth. I would go, (laughs) ta-da! Like a big fat magic trick. But God chose to humble himself. He chose to reveal himself as a human baby. Can I say something? Look, I want you to know I love babies. We got three of them. And I love every one of them. And I loved when they were born. And it was so sweet that I cried when each one of them were born. I cried like a baby looking at my baby. I'm just saying. That's, that, you know, I don't, I don't cry tons and I don't cry often, but I can just tell you two things that make me cry is uh, spending time with the Lord in moments with him, precious moments with him and thinking about my kiddos. I'm just saying that moves my heart. And when each one of those kiddos were born, they were the sweetest, most beautiful, most wonderful kiddos in all the world. But can I just tell you, babies live weird lives. They do like, look, after that moment of tears and joy and excitement, and we brought that baby home, literally, they did like three things. They slept, they cried, they pooped. I'm just saying, that was, that was babies' lives right there in a nutshell. And Jesus decided 
to show up like that. Babies need help blowing their own noses and cleaning their dirty diapers. And Jesus chose to come to earth as a baby. Think about this. God in the flesh as a baby. The Amplified Version says it like this. He became like all men and he was born as a human being. The reality of Christmas is that Jesus Christ is a real flesh and blood human being. He was a real person. Not a myth, not a fable, not a story. The reality that God came to earth, God became a human being. That's what theologians call the incarnation. Emmanuel, God with us. He came to earth as a human being. And and some people say, well, he just, you know, he came to earth, but he wasn't really like us. You know what I mean? Like, he was born as a baby. But, you know, after that, you know, we read about all the power and majesty and authority that he operated in. So he wasn't really a human being. Can I just tell you, he was 100% man, 100% God. He was born just like us. He came just like all billions of other babies. The only difference, it was a virgin birth. God put his seed in a woman that carried the Christ child until the time that that baby would be born. But other than that, no flashy entrance, and he let the whole world know he was there by being born in the best place in the world, in Bethlehem, in a barn, in a stable, in a manger, in the middle of the night. Luke chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 says it like this, while Mary and Joseph were there, the time for their baby was to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him in snugly strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Jesus did not stop being God when he became a man. God in human form. Born just like us. Born of a woman just like us. He also grew like us. Some people don't think about that part because they don't look at much of the storyline of Christ. They think he was a baby and then all of a sudden he, he, was, a, he was a 30-year-old man because that's most and generally what we read in the scriptures. But there's a couple places where you can find, you know, like when he got lost. Well, I don't know if he got lost. His parents got separated from him on a trip. You remember this? And three days journey. Look, I've lost my kid in Walmart for a few minutes and I was freaking out. They lost him three days. You know, God trusts us parents. And uh, whenever you as a parent feel like you're just a failure, man, like you just don't measure up. You just don't, like you don't have what it takes. You Think about Mary and Joseph losing the Messiah for three days. I'm just saying. And sure enough, they're searching all around to try to find him, and they end up finding him in the temple courts. And there he is, and I'm sure Mary was, and Joseph were so upset with him, ready to punish him, and he looks at them and says, I need to be about my father's business. <laughs> he knew. He knew. Even as a teenager, he knew. But he grew just like us. Luke chapter 2, verse 52, gives us these pictures of four different ways that he grew, mentally, physically, spiritually, and socially. Here it is. Jesus grew in wisdom. That's mentally. He didn't just get everything by divine osmosis. Bing, he was God. He studied. The Bible talks about that he actually studied. But he grew in wisdom. That's mentally. He grew in stature. That's physically. He grew up. And then in favor with God, that's spiritually. He grew spiritually. He asked questions. And he studied the word. And then it says, 
in favor with God and all the people. He grew socially. He developed. Look, he looked just like any other Jewish carpenter from Palestine. But he was different. Can you imagine going to school (laughs) with Jesus? How many of us would want to cheat off of his test? I'm just saying, man. If I was going to cheat off anybody, it'd be Jesus, and then he'd give me that look. (laughs) Like, oh, man. You know, not only did he grow up like us and grow like us, he was tempted like us. The Bible says it like this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Jesus, our high priest, is able to, listen, understand our weaknesses. When Jesus lived on the earth, he was tempted in every way. He was tempted in the same ways that we are tempted, but he never sinned. Friends, that's good news for all of us. It's good news that he did not sin because he was the the only sinless, spotless Lamb of God who came to take away all the sins of the world and he took our sins upon him. But it's also good news that he was tempted like us because now we know that he understands what it's like to be tempted. He gets us. He showed up to be like us so that he could understand us in our temptations he had the same pressures and temptations that you have look man he had the same pressure to cheat on his taxes just like you're about to this next year he had the same temptations to lie and to cheat and to steal just like you but he never gave in he came to relate with our struggle and then he suffered like us I know some of you have been through suffering this season. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you have gone through sickness. Some of you have been through relationship turmoil. Some of you have walked through financial crisis over these past few weeks and months. And leading up to Christmas, the fear is, how am I going to provide for my family? Or how am I going to pay for all the Christmas gifts and all of that? Friends, I I want you to understand Christ came to suffer with us. Christ came to suffer alongside of us. As a matter of fact, he knows and understands and felt pain and disappointment and frustration. He felt tired. He felt fatigued. He felt lonely at times. He grieved at times. He cried at times. He was human like us. At Gethsemane, Jesus was so brokenhearted and heavy with grief that he said this in Matthew 26, verse 38. My heart is full of sorrow and it's breaking with sadness. In the Amplified Version, it says, my soul is deeply grieved so that I'm almost dying of sorrow. And friends, I want you to know, if you are suffering and you feel like you're dying of sorrow or dealing with discouragement, I want you to know Christ understands. He's been there. And he's come alongside alongside us. The Bible says that he feels with the feeling of our infirmity when you're sick, when you're struggling, when people have talked about you and lied about you. He knows what that's like. So why would Jesus come to earth to endure all of this? Well, it was the second gift that he gave to us. The second present was this. Jesus lived among us to build relationship with us. He came to build relationship with you. Jesus wanted a relationship with humanity, so he became a human being. And you were made for relationship with God. You were made to know God because he knows you. And he became a a, a real live human being to relate to you. I, I look at this story, and so many overlook this. 
But he didn't come for the select few. He didn't come to reveal himself to the privileged class or for the religious people. He showed up for all of us. Luke 2, 7, Mary gave birth and wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. He was born in a stable, not in a palace, like the God of the universe should be born into. He wasn't even born in a nice house or a nice hospital or a nice hotel. He was born in a barn. Jesus born in a manger. You know what a manger is, friends? It's a feed box for cattle where they put the wheat and the oats. And we often over-spiritualize this. But can I just tell you, cattle stick their noses in it and saliva comes out. That's a manger. And that's where Jesus was born into. Not exactly the cleanest place for an infant. Not a place for a newly born baby. But that's how low, how lowly Jesus decided to become for us. You can't get lower than a barn. Jesus was born next to cows and sheep. He revealed himself even to lowly shepherds. Luke 2.16 goes on to say the shepherds ran to the village and found their way to Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. The first, perp, the, the, the first people to see Jesus. The first people to be invited to Jesus' birthday party. You know what, I, I think about birthday parties that I've had in my past and times, special moments where I've had special guests invited, family that's driven in from a long distance or uh, friends that have come to celebrate and such a great time. But you know, you, you often invite the most special people in your life to your first birthday party. I mean, your friends and relatives and those, you allow entrance into that very first birth, right? The birthday. Matter of fact, I can just tell you, when Michelle gave birth to each one of our three children up there in the hospital, we were pastors at the time. And I, I just want to tell you, as, as wonderful it, as it would be to have the entire church show up in the hospital room when Michelle was there, that was not the time for it. There were only certain ones that were allowed back there in that delivery room to see the baby for the first time. And can I just tell you, out of all the people that God could have chosen to have watch and look at and see and view this very first birthday of Jesus, it was not the religious leaders, it wasn't royalty, it wasn't political figures. The first people invited to Jesus' birth were the shepherds. Now today, we look at the shepherds and we say, they're the heroes. But friends, back then they were the zeros. They were the lowest class of people in society. They were the nobodies. Why? Because they had the stinkiest job on the planet. Nobody wanted to be a, a shepherd out there dealing with all these sheep. I mean, sheep are cute and fluffy until you get them out in the open where they really live. <laughs> and then you find how stinky and messy they really are. As far as social status was concerned, the shepherds were the lowest step on the social ladder. And yet that's who Jesus invited to his first birthday party. Now later we know that the wise men also came from the east and gave rich gifts. They were the highest of society. They were intellectual and they were wealthy. But that was, to me, the proof that Jesus came for all of us, that, that he came for both the highest in society. Can I just tell you, 
we often look at people of wealth or of fame and we presume that, wow, if I could only be just like them. But can I just tell you, I've talked to so many that are so wealthy and they deal with the same kind of problems, the same kind of pains. They're worried also about what they, how to keep their wealth. But even more than that, they, they, they're, they're so worried about keeping their wealth, they can't keep their family. And they have relationship problems and crisis. Look at Hollywood superstars. They're not known to keep a marriage and keep a family together. I'm just saying. The pressures. Jesus came for the highest in society because there's up and outers just like there's down and outers. And we as a church are here for all because Jesus made himself available for all. He wasn't born at the top of a mountain, so we couldn't get to him. He wasn't born behind a gated community. He was born right out in the open so that everyone could connect with him and have a relationship. God wants to have a relationship with you. In this Christmas, he wants a relationship with you. John chapter 1, verse 14, Christ became a human being and he lived here on the earth among us. The message, I love this, it says, Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love it. He moved right in down the street from you. The good news is God meets us where we are. Some people say, well, man, I'll never get to God and God will never get to me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. Can I just tell you, you couldn't be more wrong God knows you, he loves you, and no, no matter how far down you've gone, he still can pick you up. He's right there beside you. He wants a relationship with you. God meets us where we're at. Some people say, well, God doesn't care about me. I'm a nobody. Can I tell you, he does care about you. He says, I know you, and I love you, and I want a relationship with you. Jesus came down to earth because we couldn't reach up to, to get to him. And God is perfect, and we could never be good enough to get to God, so he made a way for us to get to him. His name is Jesus. He built the bridge. I could never get to God on my own, friends, my own good deeds, my own good doing. It could never get to God, so he got to me. <laughs> God chose to stoop so low to be born in a barn that we could be made accessible to him. A third present that he gave. And worship team, if you'd come as we prepare to close out today. Jesus came to earth to give us the best gift we could ever receive at Christmas. To give us new life. John 10.10 10 says it like this. Jesus said, I came to give you life. Life in all its fullness. And most people, you know this, aren't really living. They're just kind of existing. They, they wake up in the morning, they go to work, they come home, they eat dinner, they watch TV, they go to bed, and then they just repeat that. Uh, it's just like they're living Groundhog Day every day. <laughs> they just live on repeat, and they're not really living, they're just existing, they're just day to day. Jesus came to give you purpose and meaning in your life. He came to give you life and all of its fullness, he says. People don't really understand what life is all about, and so uh, they don't understand why God came to the earth, but he came to the earth to give you purpose. John 18, 37 says it like this, Jesus said, I was born, here it is, for this purpose, I came to bring truth to the world. What's truth? 
That God loves you with an everlasting love. That you matter to God. That Jesus came to this earth, lived a sinless life, died on a cross for our sins, was rose again from the third, on the third day to give us new life, ascended to the right hand of God the Father and is now praying for you, interceding on your behalf. He's cheering for you and he's saying, you can make it. I came to this earth to prove that you couldn't do it by yourself. I came to this earth to prove you needed a savior. And he showed up in a barn, in a stable, in a manger, but he didn't stay there. He grew. And then when he grew, he, he chose to teach us why he showed up. He showed up because he loved you. He loves you with an everlasting love. You matter to God. The greatest tragedy of life is to go through life and not know why you're here on the earth. Christ came to give you life, to show you the truth. He is, the Bible says, the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through Jesus and his sacrifice. Jesus said in, in John chapter 12, some people think that Jesus showed up to condemn us or to judge us, right? The cosmic cop that, sta- that sits on his throne, you know, People think of Jesus like the spiritual little bunny foo-foo. Y'all remember that little story, little bunny foo-foo going through the forest, scooping up the field mice and what? Bopping them on the head. Few of you got that one. You remember that. Y'all think Jesus is the spiritual bunny foo-foo. He's just, he's, he's in heaven just waiting to scoop you up and bop you on the head when you do something wrong. Can I tell you, nothing could be further from the truth. It says, I, Jesus said, I have not come, I have come to save the world and what? Not to what? Not to judge it. Not to condemn it. Jesus was the only perfect human, meaning if anybody had a right to judge and criticize and condemn, he did. Isn't that interesting? Friends, Christians can be some of the most judgmental people on planet Earth. And it's sad because the fact is humans can be the most judgmental people on, on, on planet Earth. It's not just Christians. It's just that the world expects more of Christians and so they call us hypocrites when we do things that are not Christ-like. But we're imperfect humans and sometimes we fail and fall and falter and, and, and we have flaws. Jesus said that I showed up and I have the right I have the right to judge every last one of you. And one day we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we talked about that the past few weeks. But he said he came to the earth not to judge it, not to condemn it, but to save it. Let me encourage you with this. And this is just something I I really feel in my spirit, especially around the holidays. We need to uh, reevaluate our judgmentalism. Our judgmentalism. You know, it's interesting what happens when uh, Christians get saved. The Bible says that we're, we're progressively saved. We're instantaneously saved, but we're also progressively saved. You know what that means. You're instantaneously saved by grace. It's not by works. It's by grace that you've been saved. So no, not one of us could boast about it. When you said yes to Jesus instantly with the snap of the fingers, you're saved. God saves you. However, 
You then live a life. You walk out from the church and you go off to your car and you have potential arguments with your spouse or your kids or you go to work and you have struggles at work. You have the temptations, the normal temptations that all of us are faced with and sometimes you falter and fail, right? And so that's where the progressive salvation process comes along with us. It's called sanctification. It's where God's slowly maturing us to be godly, to be like him. And that's a beautiful picture. But can I tell you, not all of us have been fully sanctified yet. Me included. Not you, not me. None of us. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I understand when the world judges, it's, it's interesting. We, we see the world judge all the time and we kind of expect it. Matter of fact, you should not be shocked when the world acts like, and when the world acts worldly. <laughs> Say it like that. When the world acts ungodly, you should expect it because you, you know that. But what about us believers that represent Christ, the Christians, the Christians, right? The ones that are supposed to act like Christ. That's the time where we have to step back and instead of judging, we pray. When we see something going on, we pray. When we see a leader falter or fail, we pray. When we see someone in the governmental authorities that do something stupid or wrong, we pray. I didn't get any amens on that, but that was really good preaching. We've got to begin to shift our focus so that, listen, so that the world knows not just what we're against, but actually what we're for. The world knows so much about what we're against that they don't even know what Jesus showed up to give us. And it's funny to me and very interesting that at times we even judge our, our, our own, I, I would say, flesh and blood spiritually, the redeemed. The Bible says that if it's, as far as it be with you, be at peace with all men. The Bible says that you, sh that you ought to do good to one another, especially those of the household of faith. That means judging another Christian is, is really on the top of God's don't do list. Now there's aspects where we can judge the fruit of someone's life and that's understandable. If you're not living a Christian experience, then we can go to the, the, the Bible says Matthew 18, we can go to that person and talk to them and, and bring someone with us if we need to or go after that person and love them back to the kingdom of God, right? We can do that. And listen, I want you to know, there are people in this city, in this community, right here, right now, who have been to church, grew up in church, have known about God for years, but have left the faith because they've been wounded in the house of God. And it's our job to bring them back. Till not one is left outside the doors, so to speak. It's our job to bring them in, to represent Christ to them, to love them, not judge them, to, to walk them through the process of salvation. Do you know, it's interesting about Jesus. He was the perfect human. He was the only one that was perfect. And yet, he was the most judged of all. When he was doing good, he was judged by the religious. He performed miracles and they said, hey, you're doing that because you're trying to show off or you're doing that on the wrong day of the week or you're doing that, you're performing that miracle because uh, the devil has given you power. That, listen, nothing but more, more crazy than that. So he was judged for doing good, all this good he, he was doing and he was judged for it by the religious. So you'd think, well, shoot, he's judged for doing all this good stuff. 
But you know what's amazing about Jesus? He went over and he started to find that there were broken and hurting people that were outside the religious community. He saw people that were drunk and people that were partying and people that were struggling, people that had questions that it seemed like with no answers. And so Jesus started to move toward those who did not know him. People like the woman at the well or the woman caught in the act of adultery. And he took the time and he sat with them or the Zacchaeus, the ones that that were the tax collectors, the ones that were ripping people off, the IRS auditors or whatever you want to call them. Back then it was much worse than that, I promise. And here he was going to all these people. And you know what's amazing? These same religious that were getting on to Jesus for doing all the good stuff. Now they go, well, he's associating with all these bad people. So he must be a drunkard and he must be a glutton and he must be a sinner. Isn't it interesting? He, could, he couldn't win for losing with the religious. And that's why today at Christmas, it's a reminder to all of us, Jesus showed up in human form to relate to us And then he gave himself as a sacrifice for us. And he said, I did that so none of you could take credit. So none of you could judge anybody else. Matter of fact, he he took the time to outline a parable. And he said, look, you you don't even have the ability to properly see that little tiny speck in your neighbor's eye. First, get the log out of your own eye. So today at Christmas, I I want to remind you to represent Christ to the best of your ability with the love of Jesus. And when you falter and when you fail, admit it, get back up again and keep loving. Keep loving Jesus and keep loving others. Because if we will begin to see others through the eyes of God, because that's, to me, the greatest, one of the greatest gifts to, to relate to us like Jesus did. I, I want you to see it like this. At Christmas, God gave you spiritual eyes, spiritual glasses, spiritual goggles, so that you would no longer see people the way you would see them, but you see them the way God sees them. And today, God sees you right where you're at, and he loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you, to save you because he loved you. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? In this room, there may be some or those watching online who'd say, Mark, I need Jesus to come into my life. I need to make him Lord and Savior of every area of my life. And friends, you're not alone. There's not one of us in this room that does not need Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Savior, Jesus, the Redeemer, Jesus, the miracle worker. All of us need him today and yet we often fit in one of like three categories the first one is those who've never heard and never known Jesus and and for some of you in this room that fit into that category welcome to the best story the greatest story ever told is Jesus loves you with an everlasting love and God came to earth to prove it And you need to accept him as Lord and Savior of every area of your life. Let him forgive you of your sins. He's the only one who has the power to forgive sins. And he showed up to forgive you of your sins. Others of you in this room, you may fit in another category. Maybe you're away from God. Maybe you've known about God for years. 
Maybe you once put your faith or trust or confidence in Jesus, but you've turned away from him. Friend, come back to Jesus today. Let that gift be opened. The gift of a savior. Let that gift be opened at Christmas this year. He came to show up to prove his love. And then there's that third category. Those of us that are believers, we put our faith, confidence, and hope in Jesus Christ, but we've sinned. We've made some willful decisions to walk away from God or to ignore his word. And in doing so, we're not aligned now with his word or his will for our lives. And you need to have those sins forgiven as well. Even if you still believe in Jesus and you love him, all have sinned and fallen short. And today you can receive forgiveness and freedom. If that's you in any of those categories, I want to invite you into this moment of prayer. And I'm not here to judge you. It's not my heart to embarrass you. I simply want to invite you into relationship or back into relationship with the only one who can set you free. His name is Jesus. And if that's you right now in any category I've just mentioned or maybe one I missed, I want you to do this on the count of three. I'm going to invite you while heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to have you just to simply raise up your hand. And by the the uplifted hand, you're simply saying, Mark, that's me. Include me in the prayer right now. Between me and God, I want to make sure that I know that I know Jesus is Lord of my life. If that's you on the count of three, just lift up your hand. One, two, three. Right now, just lift it up all over this place. Yes, God bless you. Two, three four of you, five in the back, yes, six, seven, God bless you, I'm just scanning the balcony, yeah, eight, God bless you, I'm just scanning the balcony and the main floor and under the balcony, if that's you, just lift up your hand, if that's you, come on, anybody else, anybody else, that's you today, I'm not here to embarrass you, this is, this is something strategic and special that, that God's giving you a moment in time, this is an eternal decision between you and God to make him Lord of every area. If that's you, anyone else? Anyone else? I'm just going to take just a moment longer. If that's you, slip up your hand. That's you today. God bless you. Come on, you're worth the wait. God bless you. Yeah, God bless you. That's it. God bless you. We had about 10 or so just acknowledge that need. This is a special moment, friends. This is an eternal moment. And I'm looking out over the audience and as I scan and I've seen people raising their hands, I'm watching tears stream down some of their faces and those tears are liquid prayers saying, God, I repent. And I want to lead you in a prayer that acknowledges Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of every area of your life. And I want us all to repeat this prayer out loud after me. I want us all to say it but especially you who lifted your hands. Can you pray this prayer out loud with me? Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I repent for all I've done wrong. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you stand up with us and give God praise? Come on, put your hands together and celebrate the newest members of the family of God. We support you. We celebrate you. Come on.
changed. We are redeemed today because of your sacrifice. Friends, don't ever forget that sacrifice paid for everything. Past, present, and future, we are made new in him. And in just a moment, I'm going to release you with a blessing. But before I do, I just want to exchange this, this gift with you, the gift of life and hope and peace. See, when I give a gift to you, you have a, an ability to give it away, right? When I share the good news, you can share the good news. It's just like a Yelp review, friends. Look, man, I give you a, a good information about a, a particular restaurant that opened up and said, man, that restaurant was so good. The food was delicious. The service was so great. Everybody was so nice. You got to go to that restaurant, right? And most of us do that quickly, easily we do that for food, for a restaurant, for a meal. But so many of us miss the opportunity to give away the most important information, the most eternal information we could ever have, that Jesus Christ showed up in the middle of our mess with a message that he loved us. Don't ever forget to give that message away in as many ways as you possibly can. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna encourage you, be strategic. Over this holiday season, we got just a few more messages in you know, the Christmas season. And I'm gonna encourage you, invite them to church. Invite them. Maybe you feel a little uncomfortable sharing your faith or giving a testimony. You feel like you don't have what it takes. Okay, well, you can invite them to church. That's an easy way. You can buy them lunch. That's an easy way. Whatever it takes, friends, it's eternal. And I encourage you to be strategic during this holiday season, both on the 18th, this next Sunday, where we got a special, special uh, uh, service prepared for you. The children are going to be in here singing. It's going to be so much fun. But then on top of that, on that special, the 25th, so many people, listen, I know, I can tell you, I've talked to people in this city. Some people are, they're burned out on church and they're afraid to show up at church, but they could watch online. You know how many times I show up at, at Walgreens or Walmart or wherever and people have said at cashiers or whatever, hey, you're my pastor. I'm like, wow, I don't think I've seen you at the church. And they said, no, we've been watching for two years. Look, in whatever way humanly possible, let's get the message out, man. In whatever ways we can, in whatever ways we can, make a difference this holiday season. Well, I'm gonna dismiss some of our leadership team and some of those that are greeters. They're gonna head out in the back so that they can greet you on the way out. Our first time guests that are here in the building, do us a favor, stop by our guest reception, out the doors and to your left, you'll see a television screen that says guest reception. Just show up at that room. We'll give you a gift for hanging out with us today. But let's receive a blessing from the Lord today. You ready? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your heart and declare, you're my child, no one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your Savior that came and died for you and rescued you. And may you give that love away to as many people as humanly possible. I bless you to be a blessing to your family, to your children, to your spouse, to your grandkids, to your coworkers, to your neighbors to those in your sphere of influence. 
both in person and on social media. I bless you to be a blessing and to be a bringer, a bringer of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I bless you to be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did you get anything out of today? Hey, I pray you did. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you either this Wednesday or next Sunday. Young adults, we'll see you tonight. God bless you. You're dismissed.